Hello and welcome to the 100 Day Writing Challenge, Day 20. Writing courses, books on writing, authors giving advice focus a lot on the how of writing, but I wonder if you've given much thought to the why. With a course this long, and also if you try to write a whole novel, at some point life will intervene. Anything from your coming down with a nasty cold to some major bad thing hitting you or the world we share is going to, at some point, disrupt or, more neutrally, intersect with this business of getting words down on the page. And if you just think it about it in that way, you know, the mechanical challenge of transferring text from your head into physical or electronic form, then one, that is not terribly inspiring is it and and two when stress happens when defeat happens when tragedy happens the chances of your turning up to do your 10 minutes your 100 words your whatever that day's session would ordinarily be for you are massively reduced so i think embarking on each visit to the page more like an adventure or like delving into the mysteries of, of of a forbidden grimoire or trying to crack open a bank safe or trying to commune with some higher being Adopting essentially an attitude that what we're up to is a form of pure mischief, this is more likely in the long run to sustain us. To remind us that there's a reason why we come back again and again. There's something in it for us, that we're not doing it because society demands it of us or because this is the only way that we'll be a worthwhile person. In fact, you will find reasons everywhere why what we're doing by writing is folly, idleness, self-indulgence and pretension, to turn up and, and to play, to experiment, to write just to see what happens, you're defying almost every expectation you've been socialised with. What sort of grown-up does this? What sort of sentient golem for turning labour into capital would willingly conjure imaginary voices for their own edification? Yes, Art can move people and offer comfort and change minds, but there's something glorious and, to my mind, deeply wise about embracing the mystery and apparent pointlessness of art. And when I say pointless, I don't mean futile or, or stupid or worthless. It's just that when we're writing, we don't always know what the seeds we're planting will grow into. We don't know what we're shifting in our minds, what we're unlocking, what we're strengthening, the ways in which we're changing ourselves through the practice and if I have any faith at all and it's very possible I don't but if I have any shred of faith at all it's it, it, it's a, a semi-rational one which is that by giving oneself to the art of creation and sometimes not expecting any purpose beyond a sort of intrinsic enjoyable mucking about in the textual sandpit we open up the possibility of amazing serendipitous discoveries it's basically like you've swept the floor and left out beer and bread for the fairies. You increase the chance of magic happening, but also the magic is not the point. I want to be very clear on this. It, it, it's a nice side effect, but the real business is just turning up and doing experiments and letting yourself, giving yourself permission to enjoy them. Because then... If you happen to find ways of enjoying writing as I do, you've already won. It might not always be intrinsically delightful every second, but it's also not about an expected future payoff. A bit like running, actually. Not every second of going for a run is fun, but if you try to make running purely about, oh, this will improve my cardiovascular health six months of effort down the line, 
oh, this is something I need to do so I lose X amount of pounds on the scale, you're probably not going to keep it up because any individual effort doesn't feel like very much at all. It's just a drop in the ocean. You know, like, you know, and that might well be a benefit of writing. That might well be a benefit of running, right? You might get some of these long-term benefits, but they're not a good place to aim your focus. So um, in the past few days, we've been channeling voices and contacting the dead, and I've been making a big thing of it, like that's super spooky and somehow in contravention of natural law. But no, the dead speak to us all the time. I'm talking to you now, sat in front of shelves groaning with their collected voices. And it's not just through books that the dead talk to us. We get letters, documents. It can actually be very poignant. You know, texts and voicemail messages left behind after somebody dies. All these traces of a life, these footprints, often not left deliberately as monuments, proof that I lived, I was here. Just these incidental fading marks that say, hey, a human passed this way. So today you're going to create one of those marks, one of those traces. I'm going to suggest you write either the transcript of an answer phone message or an email from somebody who is now dead. Not a, a real person from your life, I should stress. I, I do think life writing is important, really important, actually. But A, I wouldn't just spring on you something that intense. I, you know, I'm happy to push you in ways, but I want to give you a little bit of a build up. And, and B, look, at the moment, at least, we're working in the imaginative space of fiction. We'll do some life writing later on in the course because it's really really useful but but not today so this is going to be a voice message or an email and so presumably it has a recipient but from a fictional character and this is one that they sent not long before they died weeks or maybe even days so this person who's the writer of the voicemail voice message or email they might not know that the end is coming or they might know that it's coming. This might be about that approaching end. It might be about something completely different. It might be very, very mundane. What I would like is for this message to have plenty of specifics, plenty of the um, flavour of life. You know, this person is going to allude to named people we don't necessarily know, or specific places. You know, they might be phoning up and saying, hey, uh, I just wanted, just calling about Saturday. Um, I don't think I'm going to make it. Uh, you know, there might be some stuff like that where they're alluding to stuff we don't know. That's called, those are called function words. You know, stuff that is has hugely socially and temporally contextual. There might be really specific stuff in there, like, oh, I just went to Bristol Zoo. I really, really love the penguins there you know they might you know they might i don't you don't know who leaves a voicemail message about bristol zoo that's a slightly implausible example but you get the idea right um plenty of the flavor of life you know this person is they might mention what they've been up to or an upcoming event or anniversary they might talk about things that happened years and years ago you know sometimes people do that especially if they're feeling melancholic you know old memories with sound sights tastes and smells this person might cop directly to the specific feelings they're having at the moment or they might really avoid saying 
what they think. They might talk about something in great detail that has apparently nothing to do with that. You know, like phoning up and like a mum giving very specific instructions about how to take the Christmas tree down and what hours the tipper is open and um, maybe it's all cover for something else. I don't know. As we've been practising, these aren't things you need to plan because I realise now I'm giving all these considerations. You're going to be thinking, God, ooh, what should I choose? Well, I'm, I'm just It's more that I'd encourage you to put your training into practice and to try to listen to this voice, you know, to feel. To just feel your way out through this. Uh, listen to what the person has to say. Trusting and not worrying too much if it goes off course. There's no perfection here. The voice is the voice and we're simply exploring. So, you know, just to filter it down, you might like to think to kick off. How does this person open? They say hello and somebody's name or hi. Or, you know, if it's an email, do they say, do they say dear? Or do they just launch into telling some story or answering a question we haven't heard the first half of? Perhaps this email or this message is a response to something. What do you think, whatever way you pick for them to open, you know, what then do you conclude the way they start off tells us about them and their relationship with the person they're addressing? So I, I hope that makes sense. You know, just begin with the beginning and, 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 and follow it from there. So 10 minutes writing a voice that might be a voice message or an email. Think about how they start and proceed from there. Right. Good luck. Ready? Go.
And that's it. Well done. I don't know whether the um, nature of the task meant that that came out really heartfelt or maybe it was incredibly silly or somewhere in between. Maybe you found it a bit challenging having all that open space to work in. I hope you're not feeling too melancholy as a result of that. But if you are, you know, try to be with it. Try to be open to it. These pesky emotions that come up when we write really are the basis upon which you will write the best fiction that you ever commit to paper. The more you can let yourself feel them, the more they'll become available to you in your writing. Although I should say, do so wisely. And if you find yourself afterwards feeling inexplicably bummed out or sad or irritable or whatever, just recognise that you've been doing hard work and be kind to yourself. Cool. Take care. Drink plenty of fluids. I'll see you tomorrow. The 100 Day Writing Challenge is made possible with the kind support of Arts Council England.